PFG Private Wealth Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. The topics and information discussed during this podcast are not intended to provide tax or legal advice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed insurance agents. The rules of retirement have changed. No longer can most of us rely on Social Security or a single pension to fund our futures. We're living longer, and retirement doesn't just last a handful of years anymore. Instead, you might stay retired for 20 or 30 years, and maybe even more. We need to look at retirement through a new lens, with fresh eyes, with a new approach and plan of attack. Here to answer the call are financial advisors John Texera and Nick McDevitt of PFG Private Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Tampa Bay area. This podcast is Retirement Planning Redefined, and it starts right now. Welcome into another edition of the podcast, Retirement Planning Redefined, with John and Nick from PFG Private Wealth. And it's time to talk about bonds uh, and really kind of what you need to know and how they actually work. And there's a lot of conversation around that, obviously, in uh, 22, certainly to, you know, to the fact that uh, nothing seems like a good idea as far as things go. And when the market is weird, often we run to bonds for the safety aspect. But, you know, there's some things going on there, too. So let's talk about how they actually work, what role they might play in a proper financial structure and how maybe this, uh, you know, here lately, it's been a, a bit of a different show in that regard. So guys, welcome in. Nick, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Staying busy. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Uh, John and you, how are you doing? Oh, doing all right. Yeah. Uh, hanging in there. H- how's the bond market? A little rough. A <laughs> uh, little rough if you've owned some already. Uh, could be good if you're buying some new ones. So. Yeah, right. And that's the difference, right? It depends where you're at. Depends where you're at. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. First thing I want people to understand is that the bond market is actually way bigger than the stock market. A lot of people don't know that. That's just a fun, that's just an interesting little tidbit, but it is a lot bigger. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, a lot of people aren't aware of that, but, um, there's a whole yeah. lot more stuff in there, right? So, uh, but let's go into the misunderstandings, right? So, first off, just one of you guys give us the basic gist of how a bond works for folks who just might not know. Yeah. So, to to break it down to kind of its simplest form, a bond is basically loaning your money to uh, kind of a public institution or or private entity. So, you know, you're basically saying, "Hey, I'm going to give you my money," and uh, for that, you're going to the company typically provides some type of interest rate. Uh, for that period of time where they have your money. And um, as far as obligations go from that company or public institution, there's a promise to pay you back. And that promise is only as good as the paying ability of that company. Um, So I think that's bonds in a nutshell, if you try to break it down to its simplest form. Yeah, you're loaning the company money, right? You're lending them money versus as a stockholder, you're buying a piece. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Nick, what's the difference between a bond... And a bond fund, so like an individual bond and a bond fund, because most of us wind up with bond funds, uh, and we're not you know, maybe not, not not totally sure what it is that we have. We just say, "Oh, I have some bonds," but what they really have is a bond fund. Yeah, the the reality is the difference as far as how it affects a, a typical investor is the important part to to understand. So, 
with bond prices and interest rates having an inverse relationship. So again, if interest rates go up, bond prices go down, then the issue that somebody that is investing in a bond fund has is it's a pool of bonds. And so you're relying upon the manager of that bond fund to manage the buying and selling of those bonds while trying to protect the value of your account and gaining interest. So sometimes the easiest way to guide people through this, and obviously we've been having this conversation quite a bit lately with people, um, especially with how we've invested in fixed income in the last few years, is that if you own an individual bond, you have the ability to hold it until maturity. And when you hold it until maturity, you then receive the par value back. So, and this might be a little bit too much detail, but um, we'll try to give people a, a good understanding of this. So oftentimes people get confused with the difference between the initial issue of a bond and then when it trades in the secondary market. Okay. So when a company initially issues the bond, that's when they are receiving the loan, basically, uh, or the money from whoever purchases that bond initially. Right. So when they sell the bond, the bond sells for $1,000. There's a promise to pay that the company issues with the bond, as well as, hey, in the meantime, we're going to pay you an interest or a coupon. So let's just say it's 3%. So company A, we'll call them Apple. Apple issues a bond in 2020 for five years and they're going to pay two percent over those five years and as long as whoever holds that bond at the end of that five years no matter what they paid for it they're going to get a thousand dollars back that's the promise okay so so we'll say john bought that bond initially but two years into it he decides hey i no longer want this bond i'm going to go ahead and sell it and so because of the market situation and what's going on in the market that bond in the secondary market because interest rates have gone up uh even though he paid a thousand he can only sell it for 900 because that that two percent coupon rate isn't competitive right yeah so let's say he sold it to me and i bought it for 900 so i got a discount it's like hey i'm only getting two percent so i'm not going to pay less so i'm going to get a discount and now my goal is i'm going to hold that bond until the end of that total five-year period and I'm going to collect that 2%, but I'm also going to get the extra $100 on top, which makes my return, my overall return, my total return higher. So the, the difference is that when people as an individual, uh, it, it, when they own those bonds individually, they have more control over holding that into maturity mm -hmm. and essentially getting their par value back while collecting their interest in the meantime versus when it's in a bond fund, that performance is strictly going to take place dependent upon how it gets managed. And we know obviously it's confusing and um, you know, it's always a tricky spot of trying to help people understand and, and giving, you know, what might be too much information. But with this, I think a lot of times it's the more you know, um, the better it is to try to understand it. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some things where some normal things that we're used to thinking about or hearing and how it kind of messes us up a little bit. And John mentioned earlier, he's like, yeah, if you're, if you're getting into a bond right now, higher interest rates, they look a little bit more appealing than someone who bought it maybe a year ago, right? As the as the rates were down lower. Uh, and to your point, you kind of said the, the inverse reaction. I was always taught an easy way to remember it is when rates are high, bonds die, 
So a little rhyme kind of helps you kind of remember it. So when rates are high, bonds die because, you know, the value, right? So they have that inverse reaction. That's just, just a kind of a good way to think about it. So, John, a lot of people consider them to be the safe or conservative part. I want to jump to the standard 60-40 for just lack of a better term, right? We've, we've grown up with this thing of when the market's kind of rough, go to bonds, right? It's a, As you get older, go to bonds because it's a safer option. And we feel as though it's that safe, conservative part of the portfolio. Do you agree with that approach normally? And what's your take on it this year when it's also having a lot of trouble? Yeah, normally I'd say, you know, that that's kind of, uh, you're correct. Yeah, normally that that is kind of how it works. Right. Uh, this year, it's a little different, obviously, with the Federal Reserve really trying to, you know, hedge against inflation. So they have been aggressively raising the rates. So that's where you're starting to see these these bond values drop uh, drastically. And I don't know the exact number, but I think a year to date we're almost almost negative ten to fifteen percent. Yeah, last I checked, it was close to index. yeah, it was close to fifteen last night. Last I checked. So, yeah. So yeah. so that's actually what's happening in people's portfolios. Where if the market was down, you know, they have at least the bond portion that's you know kind of level or maybe down a little bit or up a little bit. But right now it's like, hey, you're getting you're getting two sides of it where they're both um, where they're both getting. Uh, you know, kind of hammered. Yeah, this is where it's important. And Nick mentioned where you know how can you mitigate that risk, and and you can do it. It's just a matter of structuring the portfolio and getting the right type of investments to understand. Hey, in this type of environment, you know, this is where I want to be. So it really comes down to again, you know, you're, this is kind of your investment plan. Like, hey, what's your investment plan to mitigate this type of uh, environment, and and how do you how do you take some of this risk out of your out of your portfolio? Yeah, Nick, I've heard people, back to the question I asked you a minute ago, people say, well, individual bonds themselves may not still be a bad option right now in this current bond environment, but it's the bond funds that tend to be taking a bit more of a of an issue. And that's, to your point, you mentioned, actually, maybe it was John mentioned them being a pooled investment, but either way, right, uh, and that bond fund manager, whereas an individual bond may still be an okay option. So that's really where you need to talk with your advisor or have an advisor to find out if you're thinking about bonds, what's the right avenue to go? Am I on track there or is that incorrect? Yeah, yeah, to a certain extent, for sure. And and another thing that happens, like one of the things that we've integrated into clients' portfolios and we did it a few years back was bond ladders. So exchange-traded funds that hold bond ladders that mature at a, a set maturity date. Right. Mm-hmm. So that way we can still use a pooled investment that's a little bit more efficient to buy and sell. And we know when the maturity date is going to be. So we can act accordingly and adjust accordingly. So there's always kind of like this this give and take, but using instruments like that, using individual bonds are absolutely uh, ways to take a little bit more control in the space and have less of a negative impact on the overall value of your portfolio. Yeah. And to, to jump in with what sure. Nick's saying there, I think it comes down to ownership. You know, who, you know, when you have a bond fund, you don't actually own those bonds. The fund does. You own a piece of the fund. But when you're talking about individual bonds or this basket of bonds, that's where you technically have ownership of that. So you can control when it's bought or sold. Okay. Yeah. That's great information. Thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, so, guys, anything else that I might have missed on the bond? Uh, what we kind of need to know area? Either one of you, feel, feel free to jump in with something. I think, you know, from the perspective of overall for investors Mm -hmm. and just understanding in general the space that we're in, you know, like one thing that we've done even recently is we've started to add in some shorter term CDs for clients because 
that helps them get a decent rate of return because those rates of returns have gone up and it lets them stay a little bit more flexible with where we expect rates to go, which we still, you know, expect some increase on them in the next, you know, six to 12 months right? Um, where they can then stabilize a little bit. But just like anything else, it's important to have, you know, their different aspects of your investments have different jobs and bonds and fixed income still play a necessary role. And, and realistically, for people that are retired are going to be retiring soon. A lot of the pressure on portfolios for the last 10 years has been, you know, all on the stock market because you really couldn't get any returns on the fixed income side. So now at least, hey, we can get four to five percent a lot easier on fixed income, which will help to generate, you know, returns and income for people, which yeah. it makes it a little bit easier for us to get a little bit more conservative in portfolios, which has been much more difficult over the last 10 years. So there's a little bit of a silver lining in here and and you know as we adapt to a new normal like we always do things you know there will be uh positive to it but when you're in the midst of it and going through it you know like we have this year it can be difficult yeah no and that's why i wanted to talk about it because we we again we're kind of taught this traditionalism and if you're doing things on your own you're thinking hey i'll just jump over to bonds while the market's been so rough this year after to your point, the market being fantastic for the last 10, 12 years, and it may or may not be a good move, right? So that's just why you understand the basics, make sure you're having, or maybe a little bit more than the basics, and then make sure that you're having a conversation with an advisor, bring somebody into the fold, especially if you don't know what you're dealing with, because there's a lot out there uh, in the bond arena. So good stuff. Thanks for sharing all that, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, again, folks, if you've got questions and need help, jump on over to the website, uh, book some time with them, reach out to them, let them know you've got some questions around bonds and uh, how it works or what you're thinking about doing or a strategy, conversation, questions, whatever that might be, uh, and get some time with the guys at pfgprivatewealth.com. That's pfgprivatewealth.com. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources. You can send a message into the podcast. You can, like I said, you can schedule time to talk with the guys. Uh, lots of good stuff there. So pfgprivatewealth.com. And we'll wrap it up with an email question again this week here on the podcast. Whoever wants to jump in on this, totally fine. Uh, Wendy had a question. She says, guys, our 401k plan at work now has a Roth option for available uh, future contributions. Should I take advantage of that? I'm curious too, guys, because actually my wife, they just offered that to her. Actually, she just got the paperwork, I think, about three days ago. So what's your thoughts on 401k Roth options? The annoying answer is it depends. Um, <laughs> the, the reality is that most likely it does make sense to take advantage of it. You know, some people cannot make contributions to regular Roth IRA accounts because the income is too high. Mm -hmm. So this is their only way to be able to make contributions. You know, our feeling in general is that the more options you have from income sources in retirement, the better. So especially if you don't have any Roth funds built up or if your pre-tax funds are substantially more than your Roth funds, it's a good idea to, you know, integrate that. And so one thing that people have done to just kind of start it so as an example let's say that somebody's contributing 10 percent of their income and maybe their company matches four percent okay so the match that a company puts in is always pre-tax so in reality if they're doing 10 and they get a four percent match 14 percent of their income is going into pre-tax money so maybe you say hey uh out of my 10 i'm going to make it four percent roth to match the match that they're getting the other 6% is pre-tax and now it's like 10 and four. Yeah. You know, that, that could be a good place to start. 
and then maybe build it up where you know some people say hey each year um when i get a raise i you know i i bump up my contribution by a percent or two percent right and try to build it up to kind of make it match until you're maxing out but absolutely building that up to build up some roth funds for yourself is is a good idea yeah, the uh, the limits, like so if you think about a traditional Roth IRA, there's income, there's earnings limits, right? You can only make a certain amount. I think it's 144000 uh, for individuals, 214 somewhere in that neighborhood, I think, for married couples. Uh, they change it all the time, but I think that's 22. But with a Roth 401k at work, there is no income limit. So if she, if she makes more than that, for example, she could still put money in. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't have to deal with that income limit limitation yeah. anymore, which is great. And it's a newer, it's a newer piece too, John. Right. This is not a not every company has this option yet, so they're starting to come on more and more, though. Yeah. Yeah. It is a newer piece. I'd say the majority of companies we run across now do have them. Oh, okay. Um, good. But you know, I, I'd say you know we do run across some that still don't offer it. but yeah. it, It's catching on pretty quick because a lot of people do like that option. Yeah, for sure. So I think definitely to answer the question, just reach, make sure that you're double checking, check the various different limitations. Uh, if you don't have a professional, you can bounce those questions off. Certainly, hopefully the guys gave you some thoughts there, but you can always just call, reach out and get a little bit more in depth if you have some of those uh, Roth 401k questions versus a Roth IRA. And those questions too as well. But reach out to the guys. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good stuff. Stuff. It's Retirement Planning Redefined with John and Nick. You can find them online at pfgprivatewealth.com. Guys, thanks uh, for your time. As always, appreciate it. Have a good closeout to the holiday season as that's upon us. And we'll see you guys next time here on Retirement Planning Redefined.